What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of School of Science Radio. Joined again this week just by Adam. Adam, a little bit better week for us this week. Not as uh, crazy as last week was, but before we get into uh, what we got to talk about, how you doing today? Uh, I'm doing all right. I'm beginning to think that Chris might just have been a figment of our imagination the whole time. <laughs> Is Chris real? Uh, it's possible he's not. It's possible okay. he's not. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, but well, in that case, I'm glad that we've at least had the same shared illusion for the last year and a half. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't think we've done a podcast, all three of us, in at least six or seven weeks. Yeah, but no, maybe true. four or five. Yeah. No, no, you're right. I think, though. It's That's been right. a while, we but we, you know, well, we 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 gotta we gotta truck on and then move forward and keep this thing going as much as we can, no matter what which one of us can't be here. Um, and you know, this week we get to talk a little bit about um what happened against Brighton and then preview a couple games coming up, um, including a midweek game and then discuss, you know, I guess you could say what isn't of the transfer window for us right now. Uh, but before we get to that, let's talk about Brighton. Um, obviously, uh, as, as you know, Everton won one nothing. Um, Richie, an, an unbelievable goal. Re- really, really good job there. Um, and then another clean sheet. Um, so a, a clean sheet for Everton. Defense looked pretty solid. Let's start with Ancelotti. What, um, you know, we saw some slight changes in tactics here. What did Angel- Ancelotti tweak and how did it make a difference in this one? Uh, so we've kind of seen him f- do this flip-flop back and forth between uh, a five at the back and a, a four-four-two, and and this week he did not play both of Jabril Sidibe and uh, Seamus Coleman. He just played Sidibe at right back. It was a pretty straight four-four-two, um, but it was it was a four-four-two that kind of morphed into a four-three-three at times in the attack, where we saw Bernard down the left wing, kind of pinch centrally into a number 10 role, um, looking to exploit the space between the the midfield and the back three for uh, for Brighton. And then Theo Walcott pinching in from the other side, but uh, looking to make runs in behind, in between Lewis Duncan and Shane Duffy. Uh, and the result was a, a lot of runs that kind of mixed up uh, the kind of the middle five, uh, Stevens proper and, and the back three for Brighton and, and opened up space down the wings to, to let loose, uh, Luca Digne and, uh, Jibril Sidibe, uh, down the wings. And I, I, as I said in my tactical analysis piece this week, it's always fun for me, uh, writing these things when the major play of the game gets made, uh, because of the, the major tactical, uh, tweak change talking point from the match and that's exactly what happened in this game we saw Richarlison coming central on the ball we saw Bernard in a central position opening up space for Luca Digne down the left when he gets the ball down the left he looks up to cross it in and and what does he find he finds Richarlison who was playing a little bit deeper than Calvert-Lewin making a late run, kind of that patented late run into the box where all the defenders forget about him that he's so, so good at, gets on the ball in the good area. Shimmy shakes a couple of guys off and puts the ball in the back of the net. And uh, the defense was solid enough that, that ultimately that that was all they needed. 
Yeah, no, a, a fantastic ball um, goal, excuse me, by by Richarlison, and and you know I'm sure it is is a lot of fun when when like you said the uh, the tactics work out and and then the goal um, you know comes from those those major tactical changes or those those tweaks, um, and you know I think that's a good thing that we're seeing from Ancelotti, the ability to make those tweaks and make those changes and and kind of figure things out. Um, one of the things that I think a lot of people thought wasn't going to happen but did end up happening was Sigurdsson starting. Um, I think a lot of people expected him to get moved to the bench in favor of, of some different options due to um, his play recently. Are you surprised Sigurdsson got the start? Uh, n- no, I'm not, and I'm surprised that people were surprised, and, and I, I don't think that you've strawmanned this at all. I think people were genuinely surprised by that, and, and I'm just a little uh, confused as to why, just because of the situation in the center of midfield right now. I mean, Bobby and Delph comes on, and, and he gets booed, so surely folks didn't think or want to think that Bobby and Delph was, was going to start. And, and the only other option is really at this point is, is Morgan Schneiderlin. Um, and I mean, I, I personally don't have a problem with Morgan Schneiderlin by and large, but I know I, I stand largely alone in that. Um, so, so I think just because purely the, the way that the numbers are right now, um, with who we have available in the center of midfield, it, it didn't come as a huge surprise to me. And the fact that whoever uh, among the other players that you're going to put in the center of midfield, be it Davis, be it Schneiderlin, be it Delph, um, they don't really have that creative, uh, the creative gene, as it were. Um, and I know that Sigurdsson obviously has not hit expectations this season, and, and we've not seen as much of the creativity from light, from him uh, as we would like. But he still, I think we would all agree, got more potential in that realm than any of the other players. And when you know one of your wingers is Theo Walcott, who doesn't give you a ton creatively, your two strikers, it's not like you've got a striker up top who's going to drop deep and do a lot creatively. So you're really just relying on Bernard coming in from that wide left uh, channel into the tip of kind of that faux 4 3 3. And, and Sigurdsson as your guys to, to move the ball around into the attacking third and, and around the attacking third once you're in it. So I understand that he, he's, you know, if you feel he hasn't lived up to expectations, I, I completely understand that, that gripe. I think that there's some validity to that. Um, but at the end of the day, and until Andre Gomes and, uh, and Jean-Philippe de Bommen are back, which both of them could be sooner rather than later. And then you can kind of change the way that you play because you've got multiple different options in midfield. If if Everton's going to be stuck kind of having to play this either four four two or five four one or whatever the case may be, you need Sigurdsson in there even if he's not at his best. Yeah, I wasn't uh, along the same lines. wasn't as surprised as some people were due to the options that we really had. wasn't really uh, It wasn't really like we could have. Um, I mean, I know a lot of people were like, oh, just bring the U23s up, you know, all this stuff. But, I mean, due to the options, the realistic options that we had for for this game, I think that that Sigurdsson kind of, like you said, had to be in there. I don't know if there was another option that the fans would have felt better about anyway. And, um, and you know me. 
I I want to see Benny Benigami get a shot with the first yeah. team, but again, Benny Benigami is, and, and I think he's, you know, as, as good an option probably at this point as, as a guy like Delph might be, or at least deserves his chance in that sort of role. But again, he is not the sort of player that Gilfie Sigurdsson is. He is much more akin to a Delph, to a Schneiderlin, and, and we've already got those guys. Yeah. Uh, so, so he's just a different type of player, and I don't think that there is from amongst the youth ranks, which there are some promising players and players who should get more time than, than they have to this point. Uh, there isn't a, a like for like that you can bring in that can play a box to box midfield role and bring a little creativity to that as well. And if there was, then we might have seen that player, but that, that youth player just doesn't exist in the ranks right now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Again, not really much to talk about in this one, just the one Everton goal. Um, but there is, there was a penalty shout in this one. Um, uh, Theo Walcott seemingly, I, th- I think he was getting pulled down or, or pushed down in the box. Um, to, I think a large group of people. And again, I don't think this is straw, straw man in this one either. I think that a lot of people thought it was a, a penalty. What was your opinion on it? Oh yeah, absolute penalty. Um, I, I, I don't. Uh, that that seems to me the sort of thing that, that you've got VAR for, because, you know, in, in real time, I can understand as the referee thinking, oh, you know, uh, it's soft, Walcott's gone down easy because he thinks the ball's getting away from him. But, I mean, you could see on the replay plane his day, uh, you know, Dunk pulls, pulls Walcott back, and it, it does. It knocks him off balance to the point that the shot that he got off was was not great. You know, it ends up going right at the keeper. Um, and to me, that's, that's one that needs to on, on VAR come back and, and be overturned. Um, there's not a whole lot more uh, about it to me. And that was, that was the sort of run that Walcott made frequently in this game. And we saw that, you know, there was, they were not, not, I think, as successful again, uh, afterwards as they were in, in that moment getting him through. But again, it was that sort of run that was kind of splitting defenders that was unsettling the back line that created space for other players around him. It just so happened on, on that particular play, a, a really nice pass got played into him and, and he probably got fouled in the box. Yeah. And I mean, listen, if we get into VAR, it'll, we'll be here for hours and hours. That's a different podcast. Yeah, that's a completely different <laughs> podcast. Um, but, um, but yeah, I agree. Um, I think it was a penalty and I think VAR should have overturned that. Um, I think last time we played Brighton too, there was a penalty shout that probably should have resulted in. Well, and, and that was the, the first match against Brighton was the, the loss, uh, where yeah. the, the game turned, the game hinged on the Michael Keane penalty, which was yeah. excessively softer than this one and, and yeah. got called by VAR. So, uh, if you were, like me yelling at your TV screen or, or at the match, yelling directly at the referee at the at the game, you you certainly weren't alone. And I think there was a legitimate gripe there. Fortunate for Everton that it winds up not mattering in the end. Um, but absolutely, I thought there was a legitimate penalty claim there. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but again, like you said, Everton win and they go to um, I think what is it, eleventh place now? They're in. Yep, uh, they're they're in eleventh place now, uh, in the table. Um, with basically everybody but Liverpool and West Ham through 22 games. And that is a nice little segue to our next topic. Everton take on West Ham this weekend. Um, just a couple things on West Ham and in the history with them. Um, Everton have won the last two meetings, two nothing, 
one of them already this year back in October. Uh, West Ham just recently lost to Sheffield United, won nothing last time out. And another from fam- a familiar face on the sidelines, um, a person that we were linked in or linked with when we were looking for a manager, David Moyes, the new manager of West Ham. Um, let's start with West Ham and, and kind of what are we expecting from them? Obviously things have changed since October, different manager, probably new tactics. What are we expecting? Well, West Ham sits 16th in the table right now, and they're, they're only a, a point above the relegation zone. Obviously, uh, as you've pointed out correctly, a, a game in hand on most of the league. Um, but they're legitimately in danger, as it seems we say at this time of year, every year recently. Um, you know, th- there's a real danger that this team could go down. Um, and I, as always, I, I have questions about the the squad makeup here. Um, but at the end of the day, David Moyes is, is going to come in and, and do David Moyes. He, this is going to be a team that's going to probably look to sit deep to do a lot of defending. Uh, in Moyes' first match in charge in that Sheffield game, he played a, a three at the back, really closer to a, to a five at the back with, with Zabaleta and Masuako as the, as the wingbacks. Um, and that was not uh, a setup that West Ham had used all season uh, before that match. So that's certainly he's come in and immediately said, all right, uh, you know, we, we need to solidify things at the back. So we're, we're going to add in that extra central defender, which is, is interesting because they, they've given up 33 goals this season, which isn't awful. It's not good, obviously, but it isn't horrific. Um, so I, I think that we can expect a very Moisean uh, approach here that'll be conservative. They'll look to hit on the break and, and they'll probably do a lot of defending and hope to, to frustrate Everton in possession. Yeah. Um, just, you know, just to kind of put things in perspective here with Brighton, that kind of began, I guess, a very important stretch for Everton, um, mm-hmm. coming up. Brighton, obviously, uh, we won one nothing, but we'll have West Ham on the road here coming up this weekend. Then Newcastle at home, Watford on the road, and then Crystal Palace at home before we start a, a pretty daunting stretch of Arsenal on the road, uh, Man United at home, Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, and then Liverpool at home. Um, and then Leicester two games after that, and then Tottenham after Leicester. So a very important stretch, I think, for us here too. Um, going into this game, uh, because, you know, I, I think ideally we feel a, in, in the way things have gone and despite the Liverpool, um, result that these are games that we should win. Yeah. Uh, and, and since, since, um, since Ancelotti has come in, they've played, Everton's played three, you know, lower half of the table teams and won three times. And, you know, we've talked about it a lot. Uh, what what got Marco Silva sacked, you know, at the end of the day was was not the the drubbing against Liverpool. That was the last straw, sure. Um, but what got Marco Silva sacked was an inability to to get results consistently in matches like the Burnley match, like the Newcastle match, like the Brighton match, like this week's West Ham match. Um, so I think it's encouraging that we've already seen from Carlo Ancelotti. Uh, an Everton team that is capable of winning these games and hopefully consistently winning them because, uh, and, and this is, this is a little bit crazy, but you really don't have to squint very hard 
to see this team get back into a fight for your uh, Europa League place. Um, Sheffield United sits in sixth right now at 32 points. Wolves are in seventh with 31. That's only four and three points, respectively, uh, above Everton right now. You get on a little run here against these these lower table teams, and all of a sudden you're right back in the mix. Um, and when you get teams that, that they'd have to jump to get there, but points wise, it's doable. Yeah, and 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 I mean, even if you want to go higher than that, only six points off United, who are currently sit in fifth. Yeah. Um, and and you look at it this way, we've mentioned it already on the podcast. Um. Gabamon and, and Gomesh seem like they might be coming back early. Alex Awobi too. And Alex Awobi too. And those are three very important players to a, to, um, you know, this team. And I think we could really see this, um, just by, we don't even need to make, and we'll get into transfers a little bit later, but we don't even need to make additions at this point because we don't know what this team's look, team looks like when we're healthy like that. And yeah, we might get an opportunity to see that, and that could be um, really good for us going into this stretch and then having to face that difficult stretch after that. And I think that you could argue that uh, Iwobi, Gomesh, Gabamin is, is Everton's starting midfield. Uh, you know, if you wanted to play a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1, I think you could absolutely argue that, that Everton's best starting midfield would be Gomesh and, and Gabamin sitting behind uh, Iwobi at the ten. Yeah. I, I don't think that's outlandish at all. And and right now, you know, they're Everton's doing it with none of those guys. Um, yeah. you know, and it, it hasn't at times it has not been particularly pretty. The the Brighton match was was not the the most beautiful that my eyes have beholden, but um we're getting points. We're seeing consistently yeah. this team get points against these these lower table teams and, and that's Again, what what we look at this week with with West Ham and and uh, into next week with Newcastle. Yeah, absolutely. Now, just getting back into West Ham a little bit, what worries or who I should say worries you the most on their team? Uh, if you'd asked me a year ago, I would have said Felipe Anderson, um, who was was very good last year. Um, had what was it, nine goals, four assists uh, last season so far. He has four assists this season, but only one goal. Um, it's you'd suspect that that it'll be a, a three-four-three of sorts from David Moyes with a front three of of Holler, Anderson, and uh, Manuel Lanzini. Uh, and, and I have to be honest, in, in their current form, I'm not particularly scared of any of them. I, I, I suppose if you want to say that, you know, uh, class's uh, permanent form is temporary. I'd say that, that Felipe Anderson scares me the most just because you feel like he's a guy who could could go off at any time. Uh, but I'm not really that scared of, of any of West Ham's attackers, and their midfield is, is laughable. Um, so that's just kind of the place that West Ham has put itself in uh, with some of its its transfer dealings and what have you. Yeah, I, I, with West Ham, obviously they like you said they've been out of form a little bit. Um, a guy who uh, Holler, I mean, he had a time during the season where you know he was playing pretty good, uh, pretty good football. Um, he's a he's a taller guy too, so I can you know see him maybe giving some trouble 
um, to that, you know, the center backs, uh, Mina not being available, it seems like this weekend. Um, but like you said, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's hard to, no one recently stands out as to being in form and someone who could really, um, terribly cause trouble. But, um, just- since, since Everton played West Ham, uh, in October, Seb Holler has two goals and no assists. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Um, you know, right. and so yes. And I mean, he did, he got, he had three goals in the first three weeks of the season. Um, yeah. and obviously got, got off to a good start, but as, as has been the case with much of his team, uh, it's, it's a group that's struggling right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, for Everton, let's move over to them right now. How do you expect, I mean, I, I, I think I know your answer and I think a lot of us out there know your answer due to this fact that there really is no changes to the injury update. Um, how does this team line up? Yeah, I, I think it comes out exactly the same way that it, it did, uh, against Brighton. And I think Ancelotti looks really to exploit, uh, the same weaknesses in West Ham that he did in, uh, in Brighton. You know, uh, the part of the reason that the, the setup that he used with the, the wingers pinching in and the fullbacks going wide is that it really, it created one V ones between, uh, Luca Digne and, and Jabril Sidibe and some, uh, a couple of fullbacks at, at Brighton who were not necessarily capable of, of winning those one on ones, um, in B, and then we saw those guys with opportunities to whip the ball into the box with, Walcott and Richarlison and, and Calvert-Lewin going to goal. And, and I think that West Ham is, is very similar. Um, Pablo Zabaleta, Arthur Masuaco, um, played fullback in a, a similar five-back system for West Ham last week against Sheffield. Um, neither of those guys particularly scare me. I, I think in particular, Pablo Zabaleta, um, is washed is all hell. Um, and I think that Luca Digne and, and Bernard are going to look at that matchup down the left wing, uh, down West Ham's right and, and really be licking their chops at, at the opportunity to be going at, at Zabaleta and, and Fabian uh, Balbuena, uh, who played right center back for West Ham last week. So I, I think that that'll be very similar. I think we'll see Bernard kind of pinch in and, and play as a phone number 10. I think we'll see Walcott look to make runs in behind Agbana, in behind Balbuena coming in from that right-hand side and, and look to isolate the fullbacks out wide to, to create mismatches there and then work the ball into the middle from the wide areas. There you have it. Um, that's, that's a pretty good description, and I think you're right. I think due to the, um, you know, really there's, there's not much changing on the injury front. Uh looks like Mina is going to be out again this week. Um, so it looks like they'll probably go with, with the same lineup due to the fact that there, there's not really much to choose from. Um, what do you think Everton need to do to get this win? Um, in, in addition to, to looking in, to, yeah, to, to, to get, to get the ball wide, obviously, and, and exploit those mismatches. Uh, the, the other thing that, that is different between West Ham and, and Brighton is that with, with Proper and Stevens, it, you know, Brighton had uh, a midfield two that is, is competent. It's, it's not going to, you know, wow you, uh, but that's two decent midfielders um, who are, are definitely Premier League capable. Um, and, and when we look at West Ham, we see a, a midfield that will probably be composed of Mark Noble and Declan Rice. Um, and that is a matchup that I think 
even Tom Davis and Gilfie Sigurdsson, presumably though that will be the starting midfield pair, um, can can win that matchup, can be winning winning more balls than they're losing in the center of midfield and, and looking to spring the attack into the wide areas from the center of midfield uh that way. As long as Sigurdsson and, and Tom are something near their best in terms of their ball winning and their, their distribution, um, you know, it should be relatively straightforward in terms of the tactics and, and the, the concept of trying to break down a deep lying um a deep lying West Ham from there. Uh so that is another area of the pitch I would definitely be watching closely is the the matchup between those four central midfielders. Prediction for this uh for this one. Um I'll take uh, I'll take Everton two to one. Um I think that David Moyes really has a task on his hands with this West Ham team. This, if if you want to laugh, just just look at the West Ham roster from top to finish, uh, top to bottom, because there are just what what is West Ham's plan? I don't know what West Ham has is trying to do, and that's my analysis of West Ham. <laughs> um, so I think I'll, I'll take, I never, I very rarely pick, uh, clean sheets away from home, uh, and I, I won't change from that, but I think, uh, Everton does get a win against a, a struggling West Ham team, a West Ham team that's adjusting to a new manager, and, and Everton has, has played pretty well, uh, in the last few weeks, excepting obviously the Liverpool match. So 2-1 to Everton. All right, I like that. Um, I'm gonna go with an Everton win as well. I think that they could pull this one out. I think maybe another clean sheet. Let's go. I, I've been saying two one the last few weeks. Let's go with two nothing Everton. Let's, let's All right, so that's one. that's great. So now it is assured that it, it will be two one this week, and I'll be right. Yes, yes, exactly. Perfect. Exactly. Thank you, Gino. You're the best. no problem. Any any way I could help. Um, <laughs> Um, but moving on, like you mentioned before, we have, uh, one other game before we will talk to you guys next. Um, that's Newcastle on Tuesday. Um, just some quick things for about Newcastle and, and our history with them, our recent history, I should say. Everton are seven, one and two in our last 10 games against Newcastle. Um, this will be New, Newcastle's third game in, I believe, eight days. They played an FA Cup match this past Tuesday. Um, they'll be playing this weekend on Saturday, I think, and then be playing us again. So maybe something to look out for there. Um, and then in terms of this year, Everton won this year's meeting not too long ago, back in uh, late December. Um, so let's start with that. What can we learn from that last game versus Newcastle? Newcastle's not good. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't really, I don't rightly know what more there is to say um, about Newcastle. You know, at the time, we said they are a team that has been beholden to the John Joe Shelby wonder goal, and that's that's really what's separating them from being mid-table right now to uh, being in a relegation battle. And, and, and that hasn't really changed uh, since then. Uh, in, in the match before the Everton match, they lost 4-1 against Manchester United. Then Everton beat them 2-1. They lost 3-0 to Leicester City. And then, uh, last, last week they drew 1-1 against Wolves 
in a match where per understat the uh, the xg the expected goals was wolves 2.06 newcastle 0.18 so again newcastle beholden to the wonder goal which as a long-term strategy is not necessarily viable especially when your team's wonder goal scorers are john joe shelby and miguel almiron um so i i newcastle are their place in the table is an absolute aberration. They are a bad, bad football team. And I think that we saw that when the two teams played, um, in, in December, despite the fact that the scoreline wound up being relatively close. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, I, I like you said, I, I think that Everton, um, I think they have an advantage in the, again, we, we, we'll talk about this with again, the next few games that we have. I think Everton have another advantage in this one. They'll be playing at home in this one as well. Um, what worries you about Newcastle? Uh, that the finishing Pixies love them. Um, that's, that's really all you can say. Um, you know, they're Newcastle this season, um, has scored has scored 21 goals. Um, their expected goals are, are 18. So they're, they're finishing well above that. They've conceded, uh, 34 goals and their expected goals against is almost 40. There, there's just no reason for them not to be in a relegation battle. Um, and, and yet here they are. So I, I, to me, the scariest thing is, is that some, uh, celestial being somewhere seems to have taken pity on Newcastle supporters, which I mean, I get they deserve it. They've been through a lot. Um, and I just don't want to get on that celestial beings wrong side. Yeah. Um, you know, moving from what worries you to who worries you, I know that, uh, you know, a guy that we're pretty familiar with, um, in Miguel Almiron has, has been on a little bit of a, a scoring streak lately. But for you, who worries you most about uh, on this Newcastle team? Um, when we spoke last, uh, I, I mentioned Andy Carroll as a guy who scared me, not because, you know, I think he's particularly outstanding or anything like that, but simply because Everton have, have struggled to defend set pieces, and obviously he is a dangerous player when it, it comes to set pieces. I think that still holds true. I think Almiron is another player who... Um, I, I like to make fun of him because I dislike Atlanta United for reasons that are my own. Um, but uh, Almiron has, is a good player and has been playing well, uh, of late. And he is a guy who can make an individual play that beats you. Um, and in a game where the overall talent, even with the guys that Everton is missing, um, hedges so far in Everton's direction it's those sorts of players those players who can beat you in a in a 1v1 situation or with a, a really magical finish those are the guys that you need to look out for so I think Almiron is is absolutely a player to watch Everton this time around what do they got to do to get a win well, in at risk of being a broken record, um, Newcastle plays a very similar um, five-man at the back, two underwhelming central midfielder um, style of play. 
much like West Ham, similar to, to Brighton. And I think ultimately, if the tactics that we saw against Brighton continue to work against, um, against West Ham over the weekend, then I think we'll probably see a pretty similar approach, um, against Newcastle on Tuesday where Everton looks to get isolation with their fullbacks wide 1v1, looks to find Bernard in the space between the lines, looks to release Walcott, or maybe they'll start with Charleston on the right to give Walcott a rest and, and throw Moise Keen up top. Whoever plays right mid, they'll look to, to make uh, inside runs in behind the back line. I, I think it's it was the case at times under Marco Silva last season. I, I just think that teams that play this this five two three style, and there are a fair number of them in in the league, um, have continued to match up very favorably for Everton. And it's another situation where we're going to see that, but it, this time with a team that somehow has less talent than even West Ham does. Prediction for this one. Uh, you, you want to say like 35 to nil to Everton because it, it is at home. Uh, Newcastle is struggling. As you've said, it'll be Newcastle's third in eight days because they've got a, an FA cup match. So uh, I'm definitely going to pick an Everton win. I, I'll, I'll take a one nil because Everton likes to make things closer than they really should be. Um, I, I predict that Everton will dominate the match. I don't really have any doubts about that. Um, but I just just have that nagging feeling that either we're going to give up a stupid one or it's going to be one of those matches where we get chance after chance and just can't put the ball in the back of the net, uh, at least not as much as we probably should have. So I'll take Everton 1-0. Yeah, I like that scoreline too. I think I'm thinking along the same lines as you where it's, you know, it's kind of, you know, we're we're in a situation where we keep putting the ball on net or near the net, getting shots, but nothing seems to go in. We get that one to go in and 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 then close it out, get a clean sheet. Um, that's it for really just previews and, and reviews of, of games we got coming up um, and games that have happened. I think just transfers a little bit, nothing concrete. If I'm if I'm not wrong, right, Adam? Yeah, you know, it's it's been lots of little rumors here and there, but but nothing that's really um come through as a oh, you know, that that looks like it's it's going to happen. Um yeah. And, and and I think part of that is is that I don't I don't necessarily know outside of at at center back where we've we've said repeatedly on this this program that that Everton really needs to have a fourth center back. Uh, outside of that I'm not really sure where you add um, at left back. I think if you can get uh, a young left back who who can be the heir apparent to Leighton Baines as the backup to Luka Dinya, okay. Uh, at right back, you assume Sidibe will be back next year. We're recovered there with he and Coleman. We've got, as you rightly pointed out before, so many central midfielders that we haven't seen a whole lot of recently because of injury. Um, you know, maybe – out wide, if you think that Theo Walcott's resurgence is is something of a mirage, Cenk Tosun is out, so I mean you could think about another striker, but Moise Keane can't get time as it is. I, I'm just not sure, even with all of the talk, that there's really any moves out there um, that are 
are entirely sensible for Everton to make at this point, save uh, for another center back. Uh, would you not agree? Yeah, no, absolutely. I would agree. I, I, I My whole outlook on this is it's kind of, um, you know, and, and I know that Marcel Brands doesn't like to buy in January to begin with, but it's nice that after the debacle that was Liverpool, it, it seems like nobody's panicked. You know, it, it seems like nobody's like, oh, man, we need to bring somebody in here to, to change things up, this, any other thing. There are players that will be coming back from injury. Carlo Ancelotti needs to figure out what those players mean to the team and how they fit into the team first. There's no reason to go paying um, expensive amounts of money um, and paying that January tax, for lack of a better word, um, for players that um, we don't know if we necessarily need right now. Um, summer will come, and I'm sure we will spend money in the summer. But I think as of right now, not being linked with any players is kind of a good thing, no? Yeah, um, I, I think that we know this this team kind of knows where it's at right now. Um, as we've said, the the goal I think will will be to kind of keep an eye on that sixth or seventh place finish that that may well net you a. Uh, uh, a Europa League spot, which I think would be good for the club at, at this stage. Um, and I think that's that's an attainable goal, regardless of what you do in, in January at this point. Uh, and frankly, I'm not, I'm not sure that adding anybody and trying to integrate them is going to make the team better as opposed to worse um, in the short term. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with that. Um, anything else you want to touch on, touch on before we... We finish this thing up. No, you know, I, I think you have you've pointed out uh, an important point with what's gone on after the Liverpool match, which you know was a lot of hand wringing and and a lot of you know complaints and and frustration that you know as as we talked about last week, I thought some of, some of the frustration was maybe misplaced, but to be frustrated at at that result uh, against Liverpool was absolutely fair. Um, and we've seen the club kind of acknowledge, hey, this was bad. We saw it from from the manager, from players, from from Marcel. And then they went out and they did a job against Brighton over the weekend. Um, yep. and, and that's that's really all you can ask for. And as you said, there's there hasn't been any panic. Uh, they haven't gone out and and splashed cash on a player that they haven't needed. They haven't, you know, gone and benched and you know alienated any players who they're going to need in the long run because of one bad performance um and again if the the more wins like this Brighton match that this team gets uh the more forgettable that Liverpool match is is going to become because as we've seen now that this team is capable of being kind of what we expected them to be in the league um, at the start of the season, and they're doing it without some very important players. So if that continues to happen, well, who knows? Who knows where things end up? But it, it's, it is very nice. You know, after that Liverpool match, I think we felt like, well, um, the season might be over. We might not have anything left to pull for. And I think when you look at the table now, at least as supporters – 
we can kind of look at the table and go, yeah, maybe we can get to a Europa League spot, and it at least gives us something to root for, um, which is is nice. It's nice not having your season feel like it's over in January. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, despite all the things that we said last week that may have may or may not have been controversial about the Everton situation, people like us apparently. So thank you to the people who uh shouted us out when asked about a good Everton podcast. We appreciate that. Um Adam, thank you always for as always for joining me. Um hopefully we can get all three of us on the podcast next week. But if we don't, we'll still come be coming to you guys with uh with, with Everton stuff and, and reviewing these games and, and previewing what's to come. So thank you all for listening and we'll talk to you guys next week.